This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Welcome along to another edition of Talking Travel on 2NURFM. For our sponsor, Travel World on King, I'm Wayne Stam. With me is Sally Lucas. And back to Europe, do you think, this week? Yes, I like because Europe. I'd like to go. I'm trying to get you to go, so yes. I'm just going to keep harping on Europe every week till I get you there. And I hope I'm not boring the listeners, though. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Can we talk about Italy to start with? Yeah, I'd like to do Italy. Uh, I think Italy's, that would be fun. Yeah, it's just wonderful. Well, right in the heart of Tuscany's countryside, in between Florence, Pisa and Siena, which are, I guess, three of the cities that most people want to visit in that Tuscan region. I mean, there's plenty of others, of course. Um, there's this wonderful estate about 300 metres above sea level. It's a 280-hectare estate, and it's called Castellare di Tonda. And it's once owned by an Italian family, quite a wealthy family, called the Strozzi family. Anyway, it's been restored, and it had on it 12 farmhouses or farmsteads, which they've absolutely restored to original, but also modernised them, you know, with, with swimming pools and oh, all okay. sorts of extra things of that. So it's actually fantastic, and you can stay, and they're scattered all around these farmsteads, all over this wonderful estate. They're all different, and they all sleep, you know, different amounts of people, depending whether you've got a family, two couples, whatever, whatever. And the good thing about this is if if you don't like being isolated, which a lot of the um, villas and cottages in Tuscany can be, I mean, you've got to have a car irrespective because it's really your only way of getting around. But because you're within an estate here, as I said, you've got the swimming pools, you've got an actual Tuscan restaurant on site. So if you don't want to be driving at night, you know what I mean, into a village and coming back at night and want to relax and have a glass glass of wine, well, you can just do it on the estate, Very apart nice. from, of course, catering to it yourself. There's also apartments. They even have a riding school there, an absolute equestrian centre with 30 uh, quarter horses. So it's really, I guess, catering to individuals and families, which sometimes some of these um, uh, farmhouses and cottages haven't done before. Um, there's even a golf practice field. They have wine tastings there as well. They do special events. They might have a big bonfire night celebrating some local occasion or whatever. Mm. And they even have a mini club for kids where they you know, interact them with farm animals and do lots of interesting things so they can take the kids off your hands while you go and do something else as adults. So it's just something fantastic. They provide bikes if you want them as well, if you want to do a bit of bike riding. So it's just a group of these wonderful farmhouse apartments, which I think would appeal to lots of people out there that just don't want to be stuck somewhere on a hill absolutely isolated. I mean, for those that do love that and want that, that's still available as well, of course, if you just want that seclusion and not be near or anyone else and feel you're away from it all. Well, yeah, the, but I always figure if you're going to go to somewhere like Italy, you want to have a look around anyway, and that would be nice because you can do a little of both, can't you? Well, that's it. I mean, you get the best of both worlds this way. Yeah. And you can still fossick out. As I said, you would really still do need a car because that's the only way you're going to get to these places, and mm. then you're going to want to forage around once mm. you're there anyhow. So you do need a car, and you've just got to get used to the Italian way of driving. you just got to remember there's no brake, yes. an accelerator, yes. and the brake is a horn. Oh, is that right? So you just press the horn, yes. meaning get out of my way. Okay. And and the accelerator, and they use lots of sign language and all that. Do you? Yes. Oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> Friendly little sign. But it's not so bad in the countryside. I shouldn't say that. It's mainly when you get, obviously, you don't want to be driving in major cities like Rome or anything no. like that. Never try in Paris, for that matter, either. I mean, you just don't drive in the cities. Hire a car on the periphery of the city. Head out into the countryside and have a wonderful time. There you go. Okay. Where else? Um, and also, just not Tuscany, there's some another company called Interhome that have a wonderful range of um, holiday homes all throughout Europe, the UK and USA, actually, over 20,000 of them. But they've just sent us through a range which look absolutely delightful at Lake 
Como. And I mean, Lake Como, that whole Italian lakes area to the north, is another wonderful area of Italy. So just to let people know, we're not just saying it's got to be Tuscany. It's, it's anywhere in Italy, and there's some wonderful villas and apartments just about anywhere you want to go in Italy. So Any time of the year? Basically, yes. They Most of them want a Saturday to Saturday booking. Okay. So it's a weekly booking or more, obviously, but they generally like to work on that Saturday to Saturday. So if sometimes I say to people, look, it's so cheap for a week compared to paying a hotel night cost. If you've got to leave a day early or arrive a day later, so if you get there on the Sunday and it's booked from the Saturday, you've lost one night, but it's still worth it okay. to book your villa for the week. Okay. Spain? Spain, special small parties to Spain and Portugal. There's some wonderful walks you can do here and all sorts of things. Um, walking in Andalusia, there's one that takes in all the Christian fortresses. The pilgrim route, which we've talked about uh, before, the pilgrim route of St. James, which is the Camino de Santiago. And that goes all the way from the Pyrenees right to Santiago de Compostela in the distant northwest of Spain. These are wonderful walking journeys you can do. They're also now even doing painting in Andalusia and Morocco, where you can go on these special painting excursions for all the budding artists out there. Bird watching, I mean, there are lots of people that love doing bird watching. There's um, even uh, peninsula war tours that are taking in all the areas from 1808 to 1813 where there was uh, Wellington's uh, brilliant victory was at the Battle of Salamanca. So for the historians, there's you know, okay. so there's all sorts of things you can do there now. Uh, photography tours, a Moorish cultural tour and they even organise house parties if you want to have a group of friends and hire this wonderful um, huge villa and they'll just organise meals, wine tastings, everything, bring a group of friends and they call it, you know, having a house party in Andalusia. So as I was saying, there's so many different interesting things out there to do now. It's wonderful. Okay, how about a little river cruise? Oh, look. Just to finish. Just to finish? Yeah. How, look, I know we've got some great uh, musicians and music aficionados out there of, of the classical bent, shall I say. Yes. And there's a river cruise actually in November where you have a cruise specialist um, board that is an ex- expert on European music. And what you do on this, you, you get off at the various points and they also have, sorry I said before that, they have performers come on board like you have um, a leading um, st- uh, trio come on board who does string music. Then you have a youth choir. Then you get off and go to Bayreuth, which is a famous German city where they have the uh, annual Richard Wagner Festival was held there, and it's it's a wonderful theatre. And then you also go to Salzburg, which is the birth town of Mozart, of course, and you have Mozart melodies there. You have lectures on board. Um, you also go on to um, into Austria, of course, and you go to different, again, there's a full brass orchestra plays for you there and one of the concert halls. Um, you go to an organ recital. Um, then you go on to um, a concert with melodies of Strauss. So it's just a wonderful lot of classical music whilst you're cruising down that wonderful Danube River and I think that would be a really nice thing to do. If that's not your bent, again, also in November there's two different cruises. One that just basically a wine only one which has got a European wine expert and you do all sorts of wine tastings and so on along the way. And another one is a food and wine where you have food and wine tastings. So look, there's so much out there to do and it's all beautiful and all wonderful. Talking Travel on 2NURFM for our sponsor, Travel World on King Highway and Stam. With me is Sally Lucas. Listen, I was watching um, a, a little documentary on the television the other week about a, a group of guys that went off to the Western Front. Oh, did you? Uh, yes, and, the, and they followed all the trenches. They, they were trying ah. to map where one of the very specific battles happened and they were trying to also do some research on some footage, some very early footage, and find out who exactly uh, had been 
uh, who, who these people were yes. that, was, that you see in some of the footage of the Western Front, which I thought was interesting. And I thought it'd be, that'd be a lot nice, an interesting tour to take, wouldn't it? It is an interesting tour to take. And it's, it has created more interest in recent years, I think. Like, mm. even the Anzac marches, when we watch them now, like, there's more people joining the march than ever before. And, like, the, the children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren are showing more interest in what their forebears did and how they did help you know, hopefully we'll fight for us, but also fight for our, what, as it was then, our mother country, mm. I suppose. Whether we thought it was right or wrong at the time, it was still part of history. And um, they are p- providing tours now for people who would really love to do this and not have to go off and do it independently. And they do just call it all quiet on the Western Front. Um, and it's one tour has already left. It left in April, but there are another two departures still available on this, which is 6 July and 8 November. And it's a 10-day tour. So you actually um, come into Paris, obviously, first and you have accommodation there then you go on to Ypres and Ypres um, is only about it's, a, it's the famous town. It's part of this whole area. It's famous. Famous. For, I'll start again. It's 200 metres from the famous Menin Gate, which is where you go to visit this historical area, which was one of the the towns you know that supported the Australians mm-hmm. during this area. Um, between 1916 and 1918, you know, thousands of Australian New Zealand soldiers came to Ypres, and it was where some of the heaviest fighting in World War One took place. Um, the town was actually completely destroyed in the war and it was um, lovingly rebuilt and restored, actually. So they take you through that. So it's just amazing that they've actually rebuilt the whole the whole township after the war. And they do then... There's a moving ceremony you go on to there where there's a, an Ypres rampart cemetery, cemetery, rather, and then there's a memorial and all of that. So you spend quite a lot of time in Ypres. Most of your time is spent there because that's the area, I guess, that, that suffered the most and where we were involved the most. Mm. Um, it then goes on to Arras, which is some of the old Western Front battlefields, which is between Ypres and Amiens. And you visit the uh, the Battle of Messines, which a lot of people will remember who, if they've done their history, I suppose, or ever done history in 1917. And um, there's an Australian Memorial Park as well there, a Canadian one and a New Zealand one as well. So you do spend some time there as well, a couple of days there, about three days in Ypres. Then you come back and you have some more time in Paris at the end. But I think it's it would really be, I would imagine, very moving and it would really just make you realise when you come to these small areas where they were fighting these incredible battles how anyone probably survived in those days at all. Oh, yeah. You know, and it, it was far different to the wars that are fought of today, of course. So mm. I just anyone that's interested in that area, even if you didn't have relatives there, I think it would be quite an amazing thing and a moving thing to do if you're planning a trip to Paris or Europe. Okay. So there you go. Good all. Moving right along, back down to our side of the world. New um, Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, we shouldn't say that, should we? We know they can't say socks and fashion shops and I stuff, know. but that, we don't mind. That's no, all right. Really. We're all part of the same mob these days, I reckon, Kiwis and Aussies. Um, there's some wonderful walks in New Zealand, and there's there's a heck of a lot of them. If Jane was here, she could wax lyrical, because I think she's done most of them, actually, mm, and done them has. more than once, a lot of them. Um, there's... The Abel Tasman National Park, which has got guided walks and also sea kayaking. So you can do either one or the other, or you can do a combination of both. <clears throat> Pardon me, they have five-day guided walks, three and two, if those are on a really tight schedule. And you've also got the, the combination of sea kayaking as well, which would be just quite a fantastic thing to do. And they also do other areas like the Hol-
Hollyford Track, which is another wonderful um, walk in New Zealand. Most of these are in the South Island, but there are other walks in the north, but the south is more renowned because of its mountainous terrain and etc. Of course, it was more volcanic, at, I guess, at one stage in its life, whereas the north is, I guess, still currently volcanic mm. um, and still forming in lots of ways. But you can do the Milford Track, the Rootburn Track. There's one called the Grand Traverse, which goes right across Mount Cook. I mean, the difficulty varies from trek to trek and there's de- various different durations you can do one where you know you're not having to carry anything other than a day pack and you're staying in cabins each night like on the Milford track or there's ones that where you're roughing it more etc so there's basically a trek out there that would suit most levels of fitness and I think anyone I mean New Zealand is a beautiful country particularly the South Island and just make sure you go though obviously out of the cold weather they don't run all of these treks obviously in cold weather anyway but you basically spring and autumn are two wonderful times to go trekking walking you know hiking sea kayaking whatever in new zealand so there you go some nice places to go traveling this weekend we will do it again of course next friday with another edition of talking travel we do that of course for our sponsor travel world on king here on 2 in your rfm 103.7